And I'm Jason Hand. Today we're talking about metrics with Jesus Gonzalez Barajana from Baturgia and Tim Falls from Keen. Jesus, you want to start us off and tell us a little, a little bit about yourself? Hi, thank you. Um, well, I'm Jesus Gonzalez Barajana from Madrid, Spain, and I've been working in the university for a while, for like 10 years, trying to understand how free software communities, how open source software communities produce software. And uh, keep in moment, uh, we realized that some companies and some people were interested in uh, using the kind of metrics that we were gathering to track uh, how their communities, from a let's say, corporate point of view, were performing and so on. And at the same time, we also realized that we could help uh, those communities to improve, to, to produce software better and to produce software with better quality. And uh, that's it. So we started the company like three years ago, Petergia. And we've been uh, producing uh, dashboards and reports on how people produce software community-wise since then. That's it for now. Very cool. Thanks. Tim, what about you? Sure thing. Um, so I've been doing community for uh, developer-focused startups for about the past five years. Um, I got started and kind of introduced to what community was all about from a business context when I um, started working with Techstars in 2009, which is a seed stage accelerator for startups in Boulder, Colorado. Um, and then I went on to do developer evangelism for a startup that was in that program called SendGrid. Um, and developer evangelism is kind of just, uh, I would call it like a subset of community building geared towards software developers. <coughs> um, at SendGrid over the course of five or four years, um, grew with that company from six employees to about 250 employees and grew the community team from a person, one person team, myself, to about 15 people. Um, who are based all around the world. Uh, today, I am now at a company called Keen.io, as you mentioned, and Keen is a, a data analytics company. So we're also focused on developers, but um, our product is focused on helping developers and product managers and data scientists do more with the event data that they're collecting uh, around the, their customers' usage of their applications and their devices, anything that's connected to the internet. So um, again, since our core audience is developers, it's kind of a developer evangelist approach to community here at Keen. Um, but you know, this, this podcast was particularly of interest to me um, and the conversation within it because um, now that I've been doing this for a long time and community metrics is has surfaced as one of the most challenging parts of the discipline. Um, it's really exciting to be at a company where uh, the product that we um, are giving to or are providing to the community is one that also helps us gauge how we engage with that community. Cool. Well, we appreciate you both joining the show. Um, love to hear, you know, your different thoughts on on uh, collecting metrics, what we're going to do with those metrics, how we can use that to sort of grow the efforts as a community, grow the efforts as the business. Um, Tim, you and I kind of go back a ways. We, um, it turns out we both went to Indiana University at the same time, although we didn't know each other then. Um, and uh, we hooked up um, through some kind of common startup friends in Boulder. And then when I had the opportunity to switch over to VictorOps to become their evangelist there, I um, was able to sort of uh, lean on Tim to like let me know what this role looks like. Uh, what what's the what's the catch? It seems like you know evangelism is a, is from the outsider's point of view, it's just a lot of travel and going to a lot of cool events and and speaking opportunities and 
on and on and on with um, just really good things. But, um, you know, there had to be some other um, storyline behind evangelism. So thank you for um, kind of clearing clearing that up for me on what to expect on being an evangelist and, and building communities and that kind of thing. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, with that, um, we, we had kind of talked uh, earlier. We had some questions um, that we sort of lined up. And, um, you know, the very first one that we wanted to sort of bring up is, um, you know, just sort of what this whole blog or what this whole thing is about is um, when it comes to measuring your activities and what you do from the community standpoint, um, we know that measuring is important. We know that it's the best way to understand if your efforts are actually making a difference and if they aren't, what kind of changes should you be making? And then, of course, you know, the business is always going to want to know that the things that you're doing are making a difference and making a positive difference. And, and that can get into different things like, you know, planning a budget. And um, so just the idea of, of monitoring is, is important across the business in general. But it becomes a little bit tougher when you're starting to talk about your activities and the things you do as a community builder. Um, so maybe uh, we'll start with you, Jesus, if you've got some, you know, ideas on what is it um, that makes um, tracking our KPIs or our metrics as a community builder, what makes that so difficult and what are some things that we could be doing? So from, from my point of view, the, the most important thing is to be able of, um, I would say, of switching from, an, from a mentality based on the comments or casualties to a mentality based on facts. In the sense that in every community, people talk a lot, as that's usual, and they talk about what the problems probably are, how people are reacting to those problems, things like aggregating new people in the community or not. And those are basically opinions. And you can you can uh, stay for a long time talking on, on that. But in many cases, that's not really reflected in facts. So it's important to uh, start from real facts before you start the discussion. And there is also something which is quite related to how communities work, which is you need some kind of self-awareness, some way of knowing about yourself. And uh, usually this kind of self-image is being built by commenting with other people in the community, how we feel, how we are, how, how the community is performing, things like that. But in many cases, the, the, many of those opinions are plainly wrong because they don't have the actual facts. They see the most, uh, let's say, relevant events, but they don't look at the details because they don't have the details. If the community is large, there is no way of just going to the, I don't know, to the forums, for instance, and get you know what people is talking about. You need to uh, dig to, to dig a much more to, to dig deeper um, from that to extract the real knowledge. That's what we try to do with metrics. So in the end, it's not like uh, substituting what people think about the community, but it's just providing facts so that people can have a real opinion on what's happening and what's not actually happening, and being able of liberating discussions because we can. Uh, for instance, uh, start talking about numbers and saying, we got like, I don't know, 100 more people last month. And that's quite different from the month before where we got like uh, 50 new people. And that's a fact. And then from that, you can infer what you want to do and so on. But it's much better of saying, well, I have the impression that we are getting more and more people. Yeah. So there is a full of distinction between both, both things. So it sounds, it sounds then what, what you're kind <clears> of <throat> um, saying is that it's, uh, you know, obviously measuring and, and this metrics idea is very important, but um, maybe perhaps it's it's equally as important or easier in terms of a starting point to really focus on building the story on what it is that you do. 
um, you know, and, and capturing what, what numbers you can provide, but actually just making sure that you get the facts out there and making sure that it's known across other, you know, teams within your organization or within your little community um, itself of, of just what's happening in general. Is that, is that fair? Yeah, that, that, that's pretty true. And uh, in addition, it's not a matter of yes, getting, let's say, simple metrics and just counting people or counting commits or counting messages. It has to be adapted to how the community actually works and how they use those things. And usually looking at, uh, let's say, deeper things, uh, things like how is the community evolving in terms of expertise of the people? So how many people all we have in our community? How many people are entering every month? That's probably much more important than we have 1,000 people that maybe they are completely inactive during the, the full time. It's much more important to know. Well, we have like 20 people doing 80% of the work. So now let's start from that and let's see how to improve that or how to manage that or things like that. So it's not just about having the numbers. It's knowing what those numbers mean and being able to identify, exactly. like you said, that you know, it's 20% exactly. of the people doing 80% of the work is very different exactly. than just saying we have X number of people working on this project. Exactly. And, 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 and from my point of view, usually exactly that way. So, I mean, looking at what kind of information I need and then looking at the metrics that can provide me with, with that knowledge and not the other way around, because in many cases, you can have a lot of numbers that say anything at all, depending on how your community is working. Okay. Tim, what are your thoughts? Um, <clears throat> I agree. I agree with a lot of that. I think that um, when it comes to community, you have to really look at all the activities you're doing and um, and evaluate which of those activities create results that are measurable and which of those activities create results that are simply not measurable. And you have to be okay with the fact that some of the things that you do will create results and some of those results will not be um, measurable, quantifiable, or, or clearly uh, trackable to some business um, business value or, or business output, if you will. Um, so I think one of the biggest first hurdles to get to get over mentally is that there will be things that uh, positive things that happen that you won't be able to quantify, um, and then there will be lots of positive things that happen that you will be, will be able to quantify. Um, so making that distinction first and foremost is really important. And then once you identify what you can measure and what you can't measure, um, it's the next step what I think is really, really important is to look at all the things that you can't measure and understand how much that represents of all the things you do, right? So getting a grasp on the portion of your activities that, that create results that are immeasurable is really important. So you know, like, hey, we're doing 10 different things and eight of those things result or, you know, are doing really good things. And we know that, right? You can, you, it's a gut instinct and, um, you know, anecdotally or qualitatively, you get lots and lots of data that show, that says like, this is good. This is creating good results. Um, but those results are not measurable in a quantifiable way or in a, in a way that we are used to being able to measure things like clicks and page views and purchases and logins and signups. Yeah. Um, and then understanding of all the things you do, what portion of, of that, of all the things you do is that immeasurable, immeasurable part. 
and then look at that and see if you have the um, if that surpasses your threshold of of uncertainty. You know, because um, different companies and different teams have different tolerances for uh, that risk and that uncertainty that comes with um, with an unquantifiable thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you have a really high to high tolerance for that uncertainty, then you might just throw metrics, throw metrics. Or all. I really advise that, but it's a it's a possibility in, in the realm of all possibilities. Um, but if you have a really low tolerance, then knowing that and and saying, hey, like set a bar and say, hey, of all the things we do, we need to at least track half of them or at least track 75% of them to to be in line with our company's culture, our values, our risk tolerance and all that. Well, and you bring up a good point that there's, you know, a, a mix of measurable and unmeasurable results. And I think that's one of the things that a lot of community managers and, and evangelists struggle with is there's a good part of our job that is building relationships. And that's not quantifiable all the time. Um, I was reading a blog post earlier this week and it mentioned, you know, the inherent challenges when you're measuring these relationships, they're mostly intangible. And it walked through this, like this scenario of, you know, you don't walk up to your friend and be like, well, it took 68 hours of conversation and this many cups of coffee and blah, blah, blah. But we're finally at this friendship status kind of a deal. And I think that's what a lot of us feel like we're being asked to do when we're asked to measure those things. So I, I totally understand and agree where you're coming from with, you know, make sure that your, your unmeasurable things versus your measurable things fall within the, the standards of risk that your company or company is willing to take. Um, but do you have any suggestions on how to better document or, or, manage and and get analytics on those types of conversations and relationships? Uh, I would say that it's important that you make a difference between uh, what you have, which is what we call the activity, the real activity that is happening in the project or in the community, and then the traces that that activity is living. And in the end, the numbers and the knowledge that you can extract from the traces. In the end, since we are basically dealing with what we can find in the internet for measuring it, only the things that leave traces can be measured. So if for some reason this kind of stuff like relationships, it's important for you to track. It's important that you find a way of tracing that. But remember that maybe the relationship itself is not going to be traced, but some result of the relationship is to be uh, traced. So for instance, in the case of the developers working together in a Git repository, Maybe you can find out that people are working more and more on the same files and you can use that relationship to infer, okay, these guys probably are communicating somewhere and you can look for maybe for that communication in mailing lists or in issue tracking system or wherever so that you cannot really track the actual um, relationship between them, but you can get information about the results of that relationship. And you can really uh, th think like, we are increasing relationship because, because we see uh, people working more and more together than they were working like six months ago, for instance. So uh, it's not a matter of finding actually the, the activity itself. It's a matter of finding some traces that can give you information about that activity from, from my point of view. Yeah, and I think that's really important. You know, when it comes to, especially in an open source type of situation, um, tracking, you know, your involvement with your committers and the people that are just, you know, being outspoken about what they're working on and, and in terms of the projects that you're, you know, providing, um, 
for them to go out there and help you build up that open source project. There are so many great ways to, to, to measure that um, engagement that I think a lot of teams do a really good job of. And then there's some that just sort of, I don't know, forget to do that um, or maybe just don't find value in it just yet. Um, but that's a great place, I think, to start tracking. Now, it, that kind of thing doesn't apply to everybody. It doesn't apply to me, for example. At VictorOps, we don't have open source. So uh, for me, like, uh, it, it gets a little bit tougher when um, I have to, you know, I have to keep track of my expenses and the different places I go around the country. And then I have to then somehow make a good case that, yes, it was worth sending Jason to Detroit, uh, Michigan last week. And here's why. And that that here's why reason, I may not know why until next year. And that makes it a little bit hard when people are trying to um, figure out, you know, their performance indicators, especially if it's tied to your uh, income and your pay or some sort of bonus or anything like that. Like, it's really, really difficult to me to say. And then I can break it down even further is I can say, well, I went to Michigan and that was fine. But you know what made the biggest deal is I went out and I bought dinner for like three, these three people. And I spent, you know, $150 on a decent meal and that turned into customers or something like that. Um, and, and if I wasn't in the mood to take those people out to dinner or they weren't in the mood to go out to dinner, then that wouldn't have happened. And, and so, you know, there's all these other like really uh, interesting, I think, just paths that can that you can start wandering down when you're in an out kind of out in the fight out in the field or, or whatever you call, you know, this type of role where you're an evangelist and you're just out there building relationships. Um, at any point in time, I can make the decision that I want to buy, you know, buy drinks for everybody, or I can go back to my hotel room and that, that decision right there can, can make a huge impact one way or the other. Um, and it's hard to, you know, even anecdotally, sometimes it's hard to explain that impact because it's only really your, your perception of that impact. Yeah, I um, there's a couple different things. One that has been underway for a bit, uh, a little bit of time here at Keen, and another that we're just getting off the ground that we're uh, we're putting in place to try to solve this problem. Um, because I do think that a lot of the things that today we see as immeasurable or untrackable, uh, with some ingenuity and some creativity, can be tracked. Um, and this is a very, a very nascent industry and, and discipline, uh, evangelism and community professionalism. So the the things that we will be doing a year from now, I believe, will be much, much, much more advanced and sophisticated and accurate and helpful than the things we're doing today. Um, so one of the projects that we're working on, which we will eventually open source when it, we think it will be helpful to the community, is a map. And basically, we've built this application we call it a community map, and it's built on Mapbox, uh, which is a really awesome tool for mapping, and it uses Keen as a data store for all of our signups, and then it uses the Meetup API and the Eventbrite API to plot on that map all the events that we're involved with. So the Eventbrite API plots all the events that we host, the Keen hosted organized events that we do um, in San Francisco and all over the world when we travel as team members. And then it maps the meetup, it uses the meetup API to just map uh, some of the Keen events, but also uh, community organized, community hosted events that we attend and we were a part of in some way. And then on top of those event plots, we plot signups for Keen. And what we can do is use a really simple interface that says if uh, the event happened on November 1st, 
and all the signups for Keen in two weeks after that period will be green, will be plotted in green, and all the signups before that date will be plotted in gray. So you can see, like within two weeks of that event, this many people signed up in that geographical region. Um, so that's one way, you know, certainly isn't 100% accurate or uh, certainly you're not catching all the people who sign up six months from now or a year from now. Yeah. Um, and some of those people who sign up certainly did so not as a result of that event, but it starts to give you a sense. Um, and then the other thing what we're doing, and, and this was a concept that we just started rolling around and uh, working on over the past month or so, um, but we did so because we were measuring our community team efforts at Keene on a metric that wasn't really reflective of what we do. Um, so what we're trying to create now is this thing called like a community engagement rating or community engagement score. And basically we're looking at any all the types of activities that we're doing that are traditionally immeasurable because they're, they consist of human to human interactions. And we're giving those inter those interactions a score based on a number of factors. Um, and the two biggest kind of concepts that we're using to score these interactions um, are the community community meet sorry community commitment curve it's kind of hard to say um, but this is a concept that was uh, I found out about through um, a head of global community at Airbnb and it basically just says like as a community member uh, further engages in your community, she works herself or herself up a curve that's a classic J curve to the up and to the right. And right at the very bottom, it might be like they went, they visited your website and a little bit further up the curve, maybe they signed up and then a little bit further up the curve, they might be, they made an open source contribution or they helped another customer on Twitter or in a discussion forum. And then a little bit further up might be that they spoke at a, a meetup of yours about your product mm -hmm. and way, way, way up at the top, they might just be an employee. Right. So as they go along and they engage further and further with your company, they're becoming more and more committed and they're and they're giving more and more of themselves. And each of those commitments is represents a higher value to the to the company. So we're kind of looking at engagements and trying to figure out, like, how did this talk at a conference or how did this uh, instruction at a workshop or how did this one on one office hour session how did that move that individual or the individuals in that audience from point A to point B? And which points did they um, did they move? And the other concept is very related. It's more like a an onion, but it kind of see, see the same thing. And you got your core team at the at the center of the onion. And as you go out in layers, um, people are are um, more or less committed to or engaged with the company. And you always want to just move someone up that curve or move community community members towards the center of that onion. So those are like the frameworks that we're trying to use in order to gauge the value of those interactions and how we're impacting those people that we interact with. So you said something I want to come back and, and ask a little bit more, but what, what do the mechanics look like for capturing some of that stuff? You mentioned, you know, somebody um, on Twitter maybe had med, made a mention of something or there was, um, you know, some other thing that, that you saw took place, how do you go in and, and one, identify that and then capture it somewhere so that you can have that to, to display on that J-curve or keep it in mind? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, we certain ha certainly haven't figured that out um, 100% yet. But the first attempt, and this is something that I tried at Sandigrade that worked pretty well as well, 
uh, for quantifying events, stuff around events, in-person interactions, hackathons and meetups and conferences and whatnot. And it's basically just a, a very simple automated uh, email that goes out every Monday morning, for example, if you have a developer-focused company and you're doing hackathons on a weekend, this is what we did at SunGrade, where an email went out on Monday morning and said, hey, did you do an event this weekend? And if so, answer the survey. And that survey would just ask a basic set of questions that the evangelist would, would answer and you know hit, hit reply, answer the survey, hit send, and then I would go in, into a spreadsheet. And that started to give us a sense of, you know, you want to keep that very simple and um, so that they can do it very quickly, but also so that you don't create a lot of noise in terms of uh, what you're collecting there. But it, it would be like, what size of audience was it? What type of engagement was it? Um, what what were what was the nature of that audience? Were they technical, non-technical? Um, you know, trying to hone in on who you want to talk to specifically in terms of your target audience. Um, and any other kind of they're they're pretty some are quantitative, some are qualitative, and but it's it's going to have to take a mixture of human input and mathematics to really get something meaningful out of these things. And I wish I had a, a more concrete. Um, you know, awesome answer for it, but that's what we're trying right now is just fiddling with that that survey and other manual inputs that can create um, knowledge and information that we can further dial this in. Yeah, and the reason why I ask is, you know, you you kind of already alluded to it, is that um, it you know it seems like that stuff is is certainly possible. It just requires a little bit of manual effort. You know, you got to sit down and think about what was the event I just was at, how many people did I maybe interact with. What were the quality of the interactions? What, how technical or non-technical? And all that, that stuff um, from from a certain level, from some kind of altitude, seems important when you're when you've got like five other things that also seem important that you need to start working on. How do you justify me taking the next couple of hours to just sort of document something that I don't even know is going to be useful? Um, I think a lot of people, myself included, I fall into that bucket a lot where it's. You know, I've got time. I'm on a plane headed some back, some, you know, headed back home or somewhere else. I could use this time to try to capture just something or I can use this time to polish up the next talk that I'm, gonna, I'm about to give. And it's hard sometimes, I think, to, like, decide which one's a little bit more important. Yeah, our, our approach is usually based on getting the information that you already have. I mean, um, I, I, I'm. Our, our focus is very specific. You know, I solve with development in free software communities or in inner sources cases where there are a lot of traces out there. So if you want to track things that are like a real life meetings, that's something that we really cannot do. Uh, but uh, if you want to track anything else that happens uh, in the internet, you can track that because you have a lot of information there. And the nice thing is that it is not intrusive in the sense that Nobody has to work more to have the metrics. You already have the metrics. So you go to the repository, download the data, analyze it, that's it. And you have a lot of information when you cross that. So when Tim was mentioning, for instance, that the only model where developers can start in the periphery and go to the, to the core, that's something that you can easily track by looking first in the forums, for instance. People start by asking questions, things like that. You can track that guy, maybe um, submitting a bug report later on, and then at some point uh, doing some kind of pull request or something like that. And you can see this guy entering into the R community. And uh, all of that, you can do that without having to ask this guy at any moment, what are you doing? Because you know what he's doing. And, and that's public in this case, too. Yeah. And Jesus, you had mentioned that 
having open analytics is a way to create trust among those open development communities. Does that relate back to what you were just saying that, you know, you don't have to ask them specifically, Hey, what are you working on today? Because you can already see it. Yeah, it's it's a matter of uh, instead of having to explain people what you are doing as a community, you can just go and look at the numbers and look at the information that you can gather. So, for instance, if you are I don't know if you are if you are producing open stack, for instance, which is one of the projects that we analyze at Viterbia, instead of saying we have so much people working together working together from so many companies and so on, you can just go and, and produce a dashboard. And let people uh, look at it and say, okay, we have so many developers from such and such company. We are all of them working together. We have so much people every month working together and so on. And you can find out a lot about that uh, without having to, um, how I would say, having to be confident on the opinion of the people in the community, but looking at the traces they left when they were working and just analyzing them. And that can be done by a third party. So that there is no reason why you are not going to be confident in that because they have no interest in cheating you. So this is the kind of businesses that, for instance, we at Viterbia have. Analyze the community and produce the information so that anyone can come and look at it. So that usually creates a lot of trust. You don't need to be confident with the people providing the data because you are using the actual data. Yeah. I would, um, you know, the things you were mentioning, Jason, on the trade-off you know, between collecting data or analyzing or, or getting metrics in a very manual way uh, versus getting onto the next thing and like, quote unquote, doing your job. Um, that, basically that, <laughs> that thought process um, was a huge, huge part of my time at SendGrid. And I happen to be in a very luxurious position there in that no one from the management position or from management or, um, really anyone above me was pushing on metrics. It was kind of like, hey, it'd be cool to like know a little bit more about this, but it wasn't a real strong uh, push because we were in a really good place financially, we were growing, everything was rosy. Um, but that changes. Um, in very, very, very few circumstances are companies in the situation where they're willing to invest a bunch of money and not see some uh, tangible outcomes in terms of numbers, just like they do with other pieces of the business. So I think what's really important here is just a knowing like, again, where does your company fall in terms of how much tolerance they have for, for the unknown. Um, but also be like, what is your game plan as a community professional, as a community team in terms of influencing the, um, and improving the, the profession as a whole, because the community profession is emerging as this um, more and more recognized critical component of businesses today. And in order to get to, to really get to the point of like, hey, community is just as important as the revenue team, as the sales team, as the marketing team, as the support team. Um, if we believe in our profession and our roles that much, then we should do it the service of putting it on the same level as those other components of the business in terms of um, justifying and giving it its justification. Um, now, yeah. it's a completely unique thing, so it doesn't, we don't need to map it directly to those other departments. And certainly there are things that are broken about those more traditional departments. But, you know, spending 
some amount of uh, time, whatever is appropriate for, for you as an individual company or, or team um, to, to kind of level up the profession uh, in the eyes of especially those executives who don't buy into it all the 100%, uh, which is the majority. I think it's really important to, to think about and spend. Yeah, spend I mean, I couldn't agree more. And and I, what it's starting to look at look like for me is, I mean, you know, for my for my own pers personal um, perspective, I guess is you know I, I would like to see um, at Victor Ops uh, we build up a community team or a community department. I think I've said this before in some other episodes is that I think in in the in the um, it depends on the company, it depends on the business or the industry, but I think that a uh, community should have a, a place at the table, just like uh, sales, marketing, um, finance, you know, all the different departments. I, I really think like you kind of mentioned there is that people are starting and companies are starting to realize the importance of community and what they can bring to the business. And um, I think that there, there's that shift happening there, but maybe it's just been that, um, you know, the evangelists that we send out to do these different roles, they're making a huge impact. It's just been really difficult to figure out the best way to track what they're doing and what it's what it's providing back to the business, and if I just sort of think about what I want to do, you know, in the coming, uh, to, you know, 2016, I'd like to start building up, you know, a little evangelist type of team, sort of just building the community of Victor Ops both internally and externally. And I think some of this stuff, you know, I'm going to have to probably hire somebody to do more of the travel, and I stay back and I, and I think about, you know, what do I want to measure? What's what's the business objectives? That I need to keep in, um, in like keep track of, and um, you know, presumably there would be some sort of budget, so I got to justify how I'm going to be spending those dollars. And maybe because I'm not doing as many talks and I'm not traveling as much, I'll have that ability to really sit down and focus on that. So maybe it's really just a, a matter of if a company can have a community manager or a VP of community or whatever that may be, somebody who's leading that that team. Um, as an equal to sales, marketing, all the others, that can be their focus while they still let their evangelists and advocates and whoever else go out and be the boots on the ground building relationships. Because to, to ask somebody to do both of that, both of those things, I think is that's where you know we start to look into burnout and it just doesn't really seem possible physically, mentally. Um, and those are also two very different jobs and they need two people working on them. Like you can, you can have one person managing both of them for a time. I think when you're small and when there's not as much to do, but as soon as you get bigger, I mean, you're talking about two full-time jobs. So it's not just burnout. It's needing people with different skills to manage those different pieces as well. True. Yeah. yeah. And another, another thing that you mentioned very quickly, but I guess it's very important is that the, the, the company itself is also a community. And looking at the company, especially in big companies that are distributed around the world with many people working from different places and so on, thinking of it as, as a community, that means you need a community manager for that. So it's not just thinking about the external community to the company. It's also thinking about the company itself. So for instance, in free software development, in many cases, developers are hired by the company, but they are a community inside your company that you also have to, to handle and you also have to manage. And that's also work with the community manager. And that's very close to human resources and other kinds of things. But looking at it from the community point of view makes it wholly, completely different. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's a really good point, the, the internal community. And as if you step back and look at, like, why are we creating all these metrics, it is, for the most part, an internal audience that want to see these metrics, whether it's yeah. uh, 
employees at the company and executives and managers, or it's investors and advisors who've, invested, who've given the company money and want to know where that com- that money is being spent and what it's uh, what it's what the output of the, that that investment is. So, um, you know, oftentimes, you know, for our company, we've been talking about this a lot, and we are a data analytics company, and we have a lot of engineers. So, quantification of community is one way that we can very effectively um, communicate internally and, and gain understanding across the board of, of the value of community. But the qualitative things is very important too. You know, so just making sure that the community team is engaging with everyone internally and bringing people into the community efforts who aren't, whose job titles don't indicate that they should be um, engaged in those community efforts is, you know, just involvement and participation is one really, really effective way to get people to understand and, and grasp the, the value and the impact of community. Um, and that doesn't require a spreadsheet or any numbers, like just bring an engineer to a hackathon, um, take or get a speaking spot for an executive and let them experience that firsthand, like what building community does for them and the, and the intrinsic value for the person. And then the, the very tangible, um, you know, but but invisible <laughs> value that, that's created um, when you have these interactions with people. So, uh, you know, just just having lots of in discussions um, and, and information sharing and uh, making sure that everyone in the company understands why you exist internally, just like the engineering team needs everybody to know why they're writing code or the product team needs everybody to know why they're giving these specific uh, or these specifications and whatnot. Everybody's got to understand why they exist, and, and if they do do so from a from just an anecdotal way, then there's going to be less pressure to spend your time collecting metrics that may or may not really you know, result in, in you doing a better job. So that actually segues perfectly into one of my last questions. Um, if someone isn't currently tracking any metrics, where should they start? Um, I'll jump in. I think the first place to start is to recognize that there are many, many things that you can start tracking, and a lot of those won't matter at all. So uh, start with that that like really strong realization, and you do that so that you don't make the mistake of tracking stuff just for the sake of sake of tracking stuff. Because there's a whole bunch of stuff that you can say like, well, that's a low hanging fruit. I could track that tomorrow. But if it doesn't tell you anything about the success of your activities or the impact of your program, then don't track it because that's a waste of time, right? So dialing, like making sure like <laughs> that that your whatever you're looking to track is meaningful is the first thing. Um, and then from there, you know, obviously, like I think it's it's encouraging to find those low hanging fruits fruits that do actually matter. Just like get something on the plate, right? So you feel like, okay, like Twitter followers don't really matter to us because that's a vanity number, but number of retweets or number of replies on Twitter might really matter because those are actually indicative of real engagement where people really, really care. Um, you know, like 
So that's my example. Oh, nothing else is coming to mind. It's real big. Jesus, take it from here. All right, Jesus, what do you got? Yeah, I, I guess I, I have, yeah, I, I guess I have very similar ideas. So uh, first of all, you need what can be tracked. So that's very important because in many cases you are trying to track things that really are well make no sense. Uh, but uh, once you learn a bit about that, uh, it's important to figure out exactly which kind of output do you want? I mean, what kind of thing is important for you? So in some cases, for instance, having a large community can be important, but it's very rare that that's an end in itself. Usually you want the community for something. So usually measuring outputs of the community is more important. And uh, that means that you need to know exactly what aspects you are interested in. Uh, we are right now writing a book on, on what can be measured on free uh, uh, software communities, for instance, just with the idea of providing the public and the, um, uh, and the people in general to know what kind of things you can measure. From that on, you can start to learn, uh, well, this is the kind of step that they want, and then focus on it. And probably you need a, a, a simple uh, panel with some KPIs, which is exactly the kind of information which is important for you. And then maybe having the other information around for you to look for, for new things and to dig deeper and so on. And another point which I find quite important is to be enabled of tracking the big numbers, the, 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 I mean the summary numbers, to the specific things so that you can drill down and uh, find out uh, the corners of the, of the thing to really understand what is happening. Hmm. Cool. Well, somehow our time has flown by per usual. We're pretty much uh, uh, towards the end of our time here. Um, so maybe real quick as a final uh, thought from each of you, are there any, um, I don't know, projects or blog posts or tools or upcoming events or anything that you'd like to share that's sort of related to not specifically tracking um, metrics related to community, but just community in general? Do you guys have any, anything you'd like to uh, bring up or maybe something that just happened recently that you thought was awesome you want to share? Yeah, um, um, I, I would like to share this uh, book that we are working in. So um, uh, it's about how to measure uh, communities and free software projects, but many of the things that you can find in it can also be useful for other kind of communities. We are trying to keep it very practical in the sense that we came from the repositories to the kind of information that you can extract, uh, extract from it. So um, if you are interested in the topic, please come there, and any comment is more than appreciated. And we even um, uh, uh, admit uh, um, collaborations if you want to collaborate somehow. And the second thing is, we also have a service, which is quite simple, but it is basically analyze my GitHub repository. So if you want it, we call it the cauldron, and you can just go there, uh, write the URL of your um, GitHub repository, and get it analyzed. You get analyzed the, the, the Git and the, and the pull requests and the, and the issue tracking system, so that you can sort of get an information of how your own pet project is, 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 is working. So it's free cam there and have a look if you are interested. Awesome, well we'll be sure, be sure to share all of that in our show notes and make that available with uh, all of our listeners as well. Tim, you got anything you'd like to share with us? Sure, um, I'll mention a couple events that as a community person I've found very valuable in terms of professional development and education um, and groups of organizations that, that put on those events actually are, are very awesome as well. But one is uh, an event that I just went to. It was a one-day conference and a one-day workshop last week here in San Francisco. Um, I believe they also do it once a year in London where uh, the organizing um, company is based. But it's called Fever Bee. 
um, just like BEE, -E, like a buzz. And the conference was called Sprint, Fever B Sprint. And it was all about the psychology of community. And I thought that was really, really helpful. And it was like really took my took my brain to, to different places in terms of thinking about, you know, how do we engage with the community and what do they get out of it and how do we help them better? Um, so that was really neat. And Fever B is a, is a pretty well-known um, expert in the, in the area. So I think they have lots of online resources and they have a book, an ebook that's available for you. And then the other group is called CMX. Um, CMX is all about community management. They've put, been putting on conferences on the East and West coast for the last, three years or so. And um, I had the honor of, of speaking at that a, a couple months ago here in San Francisco, but it was, it was especially humbling because there's been so many amazing um, people on stage at that conference. I've, I've been to the conference all five times that it's happened. And I've just, I've kept going back because I've learned so much every time. Uh, and they have an awesome community online. They have a Facebook group that is one of the most engaged um, online communities that I've ever been a part of. Um, so really encourage people to check out their website, cmxhub.com, um, and just everything that they're sharing, and, and they're really leading the charge, I think, in the industry. Um, and then one final thing, I guess, just as a as a plug, um, we've been, at Keen, we've been working on um, this project called Community Dashboard uh, Project that's just trying to, like, really have this type of conversation online and a place for people to to share what they're doing in terms of creating dashboards and metrics for their community engagement. Um, so if you go to the the URL dashboards plural dot community, um, you'll find that. And it's basically just a GitHub repo right now. Um, and that is a place where we're allowing people to like submit pull requests and show examples of what they're doing. And we're reaching out to people and finding really cool examples of community metrics and dash in the form of dashboards. And just trying to create a place where people can see what others are doing, learn from others, and share projects in the open source environment so that we can help each other figure this all out. Um, so those are my plugs. So talking about events, I forgot to mention the Flows Community Metrics meeting, where you, we, we are hosting it uh, twice a year, once in combination with FOSDEM, and the other one in combination with OSCON, usually uh, with the uh, Community Leadership Summit. So you are welcome to come. So it's, a, um, it's basically a meeting specifically devoted to community managers and other people interested in measuring communities. And uh, it's basically a place for talking. So there are small short talks where you can talk and you can share information with others. So go to the website, Flows Community Metrics, and, uh, and have a look at the past editions. And everything is online, and it's uh, quite simple to follow. And then we have the in-place meetings with Fosem and Oskin. Fantastic. Thanks so much to both of you for joining us today. We, like Jason said, raced through this time. Um, and I think there's enough topics here that we could probably do a whole other episode on this. So maybe we will. Mm -hmm. Uh, but thanks again for your time today. We really appreciate it and the insights that you've been able to provide. Yeah, thank, thank you to both of you for uh, for being a part of this. I know that time flies when we're we're doing these things, probably for you as well as us. Um, and it feels like we're just scratching the surface on a lot of this stuff. Uh, I feel like of of a lot of the topics um, within the scope of building community, uh, tracking metrics is is the one of the is one of the harder ones. Um, so I'm sure we'll revisit it and we'll be speaking with you, both of you uh, again at some point. Um, and um, yeah, just um, 
again, thanks for being a part of the show. It's awesome to have you on. Thanks a lot. All right. Well, with that, uh, I'll go ahead and close things up, Mary. And um, uh, again, this has been great having uh, both of our guests on here talking about uh, collecting metrics and what you can do to sort of uh, keep tabs of what you're doing, building your community out, whether that's evangelism or advocacy or, um, you know, different open source projects and all of that. Uh, um, so, um, again, thank you. And uh, I am Jason Hand. I'm at Jason Hand on Twitter. And I'm Mary Thingval at Mary underscore Grace on Twitter. And uh, you can follow the Community Pulse on Twitter as well. That'll be at community underscore pulse. As soon as we get this video ready to go uh, and the audio and everything, it'll be available on iTunes as well as Stitcher and a couple other places. And you can uh, see all of it uh, as well as the show notes at communitypulse.io. Um, so with that, thank you very much. And uh, we'll see you the next episode. Bye. Bye. Bye.